Right. There's two ways we can deal with this one, Lobo. Sweat it out for six months, then fall into each other's arms. Darling, why did we ever do this before? Method B, the preferred one, full-on affair now. Observing tight security all round. See how we like it. If we don't, chuck it in. No one's the wiser. I don't suppose it's occurred to you that I might hugely prefer someone else. Is that a no? No. C'est tellement nouvelle cette chanson française qu'il faut que je lis toutes les paroles parce que elle vient de la faire il y a trois jours. Elle a seulement trois jours. Et, et c'est pour ça que je le parle ici. Mais je vous promets que depuis aujourd'hui, il va être très populaire en France. Vous voyez. Je pense. La Hello and welcome to another episode of Tinker Taylor Podcast by I'm Max and I'm joined by Emma. Hello. Uh, once again, Tyler is still on uh, leave, and we hope to have him back in the new year. But uh, in the meantime, we are back to uh, record our episode of the Taylor of Panama, the movie. This is going to be kind of a mini-sode, which will become obvious when we start reviewing the movie. But before we start uh, our discussion, we just want to say that the next uh, we will be doing for people who want to start reading ahead is we're going to be doing the new book that was just released, Silverview. We are officially professional podcasters. We got review copies of the book, so you have to take what we say as gospel. But uh, yeah, um, so uh, I, I've i started reading it. I've liked what I've read so far, but we'll, we'll get to the review. Uh, so I guess now we can just start on the movie. Uh, I You know, this... I guess just right off the bat, the the book is much better than the movie. It it's definitely it's kind of a pale imitation of the movie. And you know, there's I I understand it's like it's a very long book and it's not a very long movie, but the adaptation was not very good of of what they took from the book and put in the movie. Yeah, it's a shame because it also has a really great cast. Um, you know, it's got Pierce Brosnan at the peak of his career, um, Jeffrey Rush, Jamie Brendan, Lee Curtis, Brendan Gleeson, Brendan Gleeson. So you would, and to their credit, they try their best, but there's a lot of failures with the script and um, just overall direction that make it kind of fall apart at the seams. Yeah, this one of the things we're just speaking about, like how it had a good cast, though, is that it it hit me as like this is one of those movies which never would be cast like this today, where you know, they have all these Hispanic people being played by English and Irishmen. And Brendan Gleeson, he just does not do the accent well. He actually, I mean, oh, he God. breaks into like an Irish accent at points. And it's, I, it's what I find funny is it, it's still in that era when like Hispanics are a lot being played by like Jews and Italians. A lot of the like Rafael Domingo is Mark Margolis, who is famous, that famously plays another Hispanic, uh, the uncle uh, in Breaking Bad. And then uh, John Polito, who's Ramon, the banker, is another Italian guy. He's not Hispanic. So it's it's kind of something that I think, you know, just we was very common for a long time. And people. Yeah, just it's didn't, very dated. 
didn't think about, but now kind of in 2021 strikes you as Emma said, dated. Well, you watch it now and um, Brendan Gleeson was fighting for his life with that accent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, talented actor, but God. <laughs> it was just not, I don't, um, I mean, I love him. As a, he's like a great actor, but this, this was not the role for him. I don't think. Yeah. Um, um, to be clear, he plays, he plays Mickey Abraxas, oh, right. yes. Um, yes. who should be, you know, Panamanian uh, and Greek. And, yeah, uh, should we should we go through the the who plays who in the movie? Yeah, I don't think we need to you know totally rehearse the no, plot no. since we've discussed that in detail. But um, let's just briefly introduce who plays who. So we've got Pierce Brosnan as Andy Osnard. Uh, great casting. Uh, we've got Joffrey Rush as Pen- Harry Pendle. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as his wife Louisa. Um, Brendan Gleeson as Mickey Abraxas. And who are some of the others? And the other people aren't as famous. I don't know. I yeah. don't recognize. Harold Pinter as Uncle Benny. And then this right. was actually the first movie that Daniel Radcliffe was in. Yes. Because he plays out- one of Pendle's kids. It's the first. It's the. It's literally the same year that the first Harry Potter came out. Oh, really? Same. Oh, because yeah. two thousand one. Okay. Yeah. Um. And I actually, I almost canceled. I was almost going to cancel. Daniel Radcliffe for playing a Jewish kid and not being Jewish, but I learned today that Daniel Radcliffe is Jewish. Huh. Um, so I, you know, good for them. Although I'm not sure if Jeffrey Rush is, but um, it was. Uh, I guess if you take the book, it doesn't come up in the movie. But if you take the book, he's not actually. He's only half Jewish in the yeah. in the book. So um, although that doesn't. So you'll allow it. I'll allow it. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't recognize who Marta was. There's a, you know, a fair number of like character actors. I mentioned Mark Margolis, John Polito, uh, Dylan Baker, who's, uh, anyone who's spy fan has watched The Americans. He's has a big role in one of the seasons of The Americans. Plays the kind of insane, a very bit part, but kind of memorable, the insane American general who's, who's talking about how we left Panama surrendering and he wants to go back and and take it over uh so yeah I mean they, they, there's they definitely the faults of this movie were not the casting it's definitely not was not the issue yeah where I think I have the biggest issue with the movie is that um they tried to sort of temper down a lot of the bleakness of the book and so you end mm-hmm. up with this very strange mixture of notes of comedy from the book and then uh you know moments of horror that are then uh undercut by added comedy in the movie yeah and so it's and they completely neuter the ending um and and so it's it just has this really strange kind of like half dark comedy half regular comedy tone and you're not quite sure where to laugh or what to do because you know um for example um you know mickey still commits suicide and they have to stage his death but then it has a relatively happy ending with the full-scale evasion uh averted unlike in the book uh so it's it's just very strange tonally and um you sort of walk away from it very confused as to like is this a drama is this a comedy is this meant to be like uplifting somehow um they, they don't do a very good job of juxtaposing the comedy versus the 
the kind of bleak darkness of the book uh, that that Lucare does so well. I, I think part of the problem is that the comedy isn't funny enough and the bleakness isn't bleak enough. So there's not really this kind of highlighted uh, juxtaposition. And then the just the happy ending, it doesn't even have to be a sad ending. The fact that it's not like even ambiguous at all is just kind of throws off the, the whole tone of the movie up to that point. Yeah, in the book, um, you know, it ends with uh, uh, Pendle basically committing suicide by just walking into a war zone uh, that he has created through his actions. You know, uh, cannot reconcile with his family, his lover's in danger, Mickey's dead, you know, everything's gone to shit. And then in the movie, it's basically all fine. And the biggest problem is that Osnard flew off with the money. Yeah, and oh, and even in the book is also he he literally abandons his family to walk down to Marta, and this yeah. one you, you see the ending, and he's you know happily ever after with with yeah Luisa Luisa like, again, and Luisa doesn't me. Luisa doesn't really maybe for good because you know the the portrayal of her in the book wasn't great, but she's really kind of a non-entity in this movie. There's no real, at least in the book, for as kind of dated and shrew like she was at least she had like a personality and a a, a yeah you a were able to role. see her really come apart uh as harry kept this double yeah. life um like she starts uh you know she develops a really bad drinking problem she uh you know cheats on Pendle with osnar and things like that and then in, in the movie uh some of that is there but it's only hinted at and um it's it's just not quite as uh well drawn i think no, and I think actually even worse than that is just Marta is like a complete non-entity in the movie. She's yeah, the pretty much the only time they uh, mention Marta in the movie is you know someone is insulting her. Um, yeah, and she plays such a and there's very little role, of her vital role for Pendle's yeah. motivation in the book, and she's just kind of there as like him denying. You know, the the point in the movie where he goes to Louise, he's like, I'm in love with her, but I've never made love to her. Really, up to that point, doesn't make that much sense because you really don't see any, like, demonstration of his love for her, really. Yeah, they hardly interact. Point. Whereas in the book, you know that they've, like, they've never made love because the first time they were going to was when she was beat up by the Dignity Battalion. Yeah, and they just kind of lay there. You never see, you know, there's no so scene where they like, like lay together and yeah. cuddle and it just kind of falls flat on that part. Yeah, because they never they never really sketch out exactly what happened. It's just it's known that they were all there. I think part of the issue is that a lot of the stuff that really should have been explained for people who hadn't read the book is not explained. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, I was I was watching with my boyfriend, and uh, at the end, he's like, "Who is the guy that Harry kept seeing?" And it was like, I was like, "Oh, Uncle Benny." And he's like, "They don't like foreground that or put that in any context." If you if you haven't read the book, it would be it's really I, would, I don't think I would have real I don't think I would have ever picked that up. It's and they also don't do they they, they keep dropping things like Uncle Benny pick, popping up and him like. You know, from the book when he's driving to Mickey yeah, like, and his family, Harry, my boy. And his, yeah, and his family appears in the car. Benny appears, and it happens. It doesn't happen enough to like feel like a thing in the movie. It's just 
this weird thing that keeps happening. And it happens for such a short period of time that if you're not looking for it and you're not familiar with the book, you're just not going to catch it at all. Yeah, exactly. Where it's just like, why is Harold Pinter showing up and yeah. <laughs> saying things in Yiddish? <laughs> um, uh, whereas in the book, you know, he has these long conversations and he's like reciting parts of like the Kaddish and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, there's the other things they drop in from the book that would just would mean are meaningless where I think it's in the very beginning where you see Pendle's doing a voiceover and he's uh, like measuring out to cut a new suit. And he, he talks about his fluence there. And that's literally the only time it's mentioned, I think, in the movie. Yeah, whereas in the book, it's like his animating force is yeah, his idea you hear that it often. he can convince people of things. It's just like, it's dropped there to be like, oh yeah, this was in the book, but we're not really going to Something that's also forward. not very clear in the movie, which I noticed when I watched it, uh, you know, with a more careful eye is that uh, they don't actually make it clear to people who haven't read the book that the silent opposition doesn't exist. Yeah, it's very... Because there's just, there's not enough, the, because they don't show enough of the um, Mickey and uh, Harry relationship to show that he wanted to defend Mickey and was just kind of yep. lashing out by making it up, uh, which is something that you would only understand if you read the book. And so... Uh, it's actually kind of unclear from what they show because they kind of show him like I, I think they show him like uh, envisioning a silent opposition. Yeah, so it's not it's not exactly clear whether uh, Mickey is a leader or not to people who haven't read the book. <laughs> and I could see where that would be really confusing to people who don't realize that he's just completely making it up whole cloth. Yeah, his his love and affection for mickey does not come across nearly as heavily or as well as it should, needs to yeah he basically just you know takes him home and talks nicely to him there's not this sense that they were like best friends under noriega no and then they i mean they do the flashbacks but it's just oh they were in the same car and then he just like explodes on him in the in the tailor which in the book is like this huge turning point and kind of drives mickey to suicide uh after then he starts getting you know his friend blew up on him and then he starts getting hounded by the police yeah which they don't really make clear in the movie uh when he thought you know in the book it's obvious because he thought you know i'm not going back to jail it was such a devastating uh, experience on him and when he thinks the police are again going to take him back to jail it drives him to suicide yeah. and it's it's not nearly as clear in the book in the movie about oh yeah why did he all of a sudden decide to kill himself yeah um to the movie's credit i do want to not uh you know just shit on it uh no. <laughs> the whole time to the movie's credit i will say that the uh driving through the fireworks festival to uh sort of like get to mickey was a very tense scene just like in the yes. book where you really you feel the like frustration and fear as they're trapped in the car and trying to move forward it, that was a really good scene i also thought that the like first 15 minutes which are mm -hmm. you know probably the easiest to adapt from the book because it's pretty straightforward um slice of life the first 15 minutes are basically like the first i don't know 40 pages of the book and uh that's done brilliantly you know you get to see all of panama city like you know he's uh uh 
listening to classical music and cutting suits that shows you know the pride he takes in his shop things like that then you know the portrait on the wall of uh, mr braithwaite and you know things like that um and so i thought that was really well done i really felt like i got as strong a sense of place from that as i did from reading the book yeah and i i think the i mean particularly i agree with the, the fireworks festival it was also apart from just the it was just really beautifully shot with the all the the crowds it, you felt very claustrophobic with the crowds crowding in around the yeah, car and gosh. then all the explosions and fireworks going off around him was just uh very beautiful to look at i i thought another thing i did like about the movie and i trying to pick it apart from having known the book versus you know maybe someone who hadn't read the book maybe not pick up on but I thought they did, at least with some of the people, did a good job of showing how, uh, like particularly with the president of Panama, how he was lying about everything. Where the president oh, of Panama calls him Mister Braithwaite because he, and then he goes on, to, you know, he's talking about how much he knows the president of Panama and they're good friends, and he tells him all the information, and you get to the him actually meeting the president and his his. Uh, assistant asks for ID and then he, he starts talking to the president and then the president just starts complaining about how the suit is cut and calls him Mr. Braithwaite instead of Mr. Pendle. It's just, uh, I thought it was yeah, a very Yeah, I thought that scene. was great because he's on like the creaky hotel bed in the love hotel with Osmar yeah. or whatever. And then uh, <laughs> this is just brilliantly contrasted between what he's saying where he's like, yeah, you know, I'm the president's confidant. He tells me everything. He's meeting with the Asians. He's doing this. And then, you know, the reality where the president's like, oh, my God, my suit's too tight. Who are you? Yeah, I did. I also I did find that the the scene when they're in the Love Hotel very funny where they're just vibrating the whole time and they're just talking to each other and he's bullshitting him and they're just bouncing up and down and vibrating and like Pendle. Yeah, that's right. Pendle. I, I believe in that scene they also make it explicit that it, uh, you know, the realization you have in the book where it was like Osnard doesn't care if the end. Yeah, at all. Because he's like, it, it It doesn't matter. It plays was like, yeah. And 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 Pierce Brosnan delivered that very well. I also thought it was funny in that scene where you can, they really hammer at home that Pendle is bullshitting when he he's trying to think of the countries that have, I, maybe this would is like cancelable now, but he's trying to think of what countries are trying to buy the Panama Canal. And he looks at the porno on the TV and it's an Asian porno. And then he says, Chinese is China's trying to buy it too. was like, yeah, I, I it funny it, moments. It caused, but, I thought that was very you know, funny. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of like little touches of humor that they pulled off. Well, which um, makes it a little more disappointing that they weren't able to really work in the dramatic elements as well. Yeah, definitely. Cause they uh, definitely, and like the way the chemistry of the cast, um, was great for humor. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is so funny. Um, Pierce Brosnan is very funny. Um, Jeffrey Rush is hilarious. Um, but they just couldn't make it like stick because uh, they're working with these very serious elements at the same time. And it's just, it becomes this weird mess. Um, I really think the movie starts to fall apart um, in the last half mm -hmm. uh, when they have to start altering stuff from the book. Uh, to make it a happy ending. I mean, it's, I think part, I mean, part of the reason I think this happens is that 
when this is made, you know, when the book occurs in what, 90, the early 90s when the Panama Canal hasn't been handed over. So it's it's a little more plausible that you think the Americans are going to come back in and you know stop the yeah. handover from happening. And this is after the handover has happened. So they, they do part of it. I think the problem is they have to come up with this whole contrived notion of, oh, why are they coming back in? Oh, they're trying because the Panama is going to sell it to someone else. And it's, it's yeah, it I don't think works as well as, you know, because at that point, you know, I you could understand why the U.S. before it's been handed over might be worried about someone else coming in and buying it. I've less it's less compelling to me that. All right. They've already given it up. Like what what are they going to you know, why do they what would they care at this point? Um and but yeah, I mean the, the 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 trying to turn this into a movie with a happy ending is just very. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work because the book is yeah. so like re- unrelentingly bleak for the second part of the book because like everything goes to shit and it it's it's so wonderful and jarring in the book how the book goes from this like lighthearted riff on our man in Havana, which our man in Havana has a happy ending. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, it goes up from this lighthearted riff on Armin and Havana to like, oh my god, the U.S. is staging an invasion of Panama. It just—I I don't know—it just doesn't fit. Maybe that's my bias from having read the book, but it—it it doesn't fit, particularly when. Oh, I'm trying... usually a fan of adaptations, and I'm usually yeah. I mean, I love like pretty we, easy going about adaptations, but we haven't I done just... it yet. But I loved the Tinker Tailor adaptation. Yeah, um, you know, it's not. I, I... It's proof. I believe the Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy adaptations are proof from both the BBC series and the more recent one with um, uh, what's his face, Gary uh, Oldman. Gary Oldman. Um, it's proof that you can adapt Lucari uh, very well, um, and that you can take even his most difficult plots and make them, uh, understandable, <laughs> and yeah. digestible in just a few hours, um. So it's kind of a shame that they weren't able to do that with Taylor of Panama, especially with such a great cast. I will say that um, probably one of my bigger beefs with the movie is that the uh, Osnard character is just viscerally unpleasant most of the time. Because in the book, Osnard is uh, meant to be somewhat charming. Like, he's vulgar, but he's meant to be somewhat charming. Uh, Even as, you know, he's a fairly awful person in the movie it's just unrelenting uh uh just na- nastiness i mean there's nothing there's no um, redeeming part of his like, character viscerally misogynistic and um and so you come across with this like am i supposed to find him likable at all whereas in the book you can't help but find him likable so yeah i mean and in the book he's He's kind of a smiley. He's like a movie. He's a he's like a more charismatic smiley standing because he's supposed to be kind of schlumpy and mm-hmm. and you know. They, yeah, it's really like, more. Oh, the, like, it's like his personal audacity that makes him really attractive. Yeah, and this Whereas in the movie it's just Pierce Brosnan saying horrible things to women. Yeah, he's just being just being a misogynist and. Yeah, I being, have to wonder what people who um, loved him in uh, the Bond movies thought of this. Um, cause in the Bond movies, you know, he's not exactly a, a, a prince of, uh, unpacked, you know, no, masculinity, but he's, but he's <laughs> not, he's not like, he's not like, you know, he's, he's not viscerally like mean and, and 
Yeah, I can't remember the line exactly, but they're like they're in the nightclub at the yep. beginning, and he's he says something really awful about the the like whores in there, and it was just like, oh, and the, what? the like oh the, the I think the worst line, at least I remember off the top of my head, was about Marta. Marta, he's like he's like when you fuck her, do you put her face like do you do it from behind so you don't have to look yeah. at her face? I, like I that's just. He doesn't. That's, that's not something in the book. No, it's yeah, just... and it's just why is that in there? It's it doesn't establish a character. It doesn't. It's just kind of like wantonly cruel. Particularly um, when Osnard's still at that point trying to like butter up. Yeah, Kendall, and it, yeah, it's it very jarring with the with the uh, character. When they did keep Lucari's humor in there, it was good. Like um, uh, one of the funniest lines in the beginning of the book is when they're um doing the initial measurements and yes he asks him like you know uh do you do you oh what's the word for you, he, do you think... tuck left or right yeah and he's like I a don't drape, know, bloody drape. yeah he goes bloody thing fluffs around like a windsock <laughs> and that's a that's a john le Carey original and they put that in the movie and it was it's one of the best moments in the movie is just watching pierce brosnan just nonchalantly <laughs> <laughs> I think actually, so there's that's another John le Carre thing in that same scene that gets brought over that I think doesn't work specifically because they cast Pierce Brosnan. He goes, "What's the damage?" He he measures his waist and he goes, "What's the damage?" He goes, "34 plus," and Pierce Brosnan goes, "What plus what?" And he goes, "Plus lunch," which in the book is you know funny because Osnard's supposed to be kind of like this schlubby, overweight guy, but you know Pierce Brosnan is like ripped yeah it's just it doesn't work as well as this this hot guy is like okay yeah it's still funny but you know you're looking at pierce Brosnan. he's not yeah, that's the guy. true it is it is kind of strange casting because um i think part of the idea of osnard is that he's supposed to look really unkempt and just kind of like disheveled too and so because he's just like this like s- s- sweaty alcoholic gambling yeah. guy yeah <laughs> And then, um, uh, and and then instead you have fucking James Bond. <laughs> I do think going about you saying the beginning was very well done. I do think the another thing I like the opening scene where it, it just walks in and says Panama, and they you know that where they really set up well, like oh, Osnard's fucked up. Like you're getting sent to to nowhere. Oh yeah, that's why you're here. And then they kind of bring that back. I thought it was the the quip. I can't remember if this is in the book as well, but the Nigel Stormont, like the second in charge of the embassy, brings up the affair and is like, uh, you know, oh, this is, he talks about, oh, this, you know, like, I'm surprised they didn't fire you or something. And that this is why you got sent to Panama. And Osnard immediately turned around and goes, oh, so why are you here as well? <laughs> Just like, I think that's in the book. Yeah. It's a like, lot of like back and forth. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like they, they I think, I mean, it is, unsurprising i think all like the best funniest parts and are like things they, they kept are from, from yeah the um, there's also the scene where he's um well because it's set a little later than the book in the in the scene um on the airplane instead of going through like a list of names or whatever yes. he's on he's on his little laptop and um uh you can see some of his like uh tradecraft or whatever or skill at at uh intelligence where yeah. he's scrolling through this list of like politicians bankers uh journalists and instead he sees taylor and he like kind of highlights the name yeah definitely i do think this is i'm gonna add it to my uh list of uh i guess 
bad trade craft in uh yeah he's looking at adaptation. he's looking in the middle of the plane it's like in uh, what was the other what's the it first was a, a most wanted man when most wanted man he's looking, does in the middle really of the street elaborate, he yeah. does a really elaborate dead drop and then he goes and sits in his car and looks at yeah <laughs> And this is, he's just looking at this list of all he's the like British. He's like plugging in the USB into his little little laptop in the movie. And I was like, Philip, no. Yeah. Um, this, this is, is this... why you got burned in Beirut, buddy. Exactly. Um, and this is like, well, now I see why you uh, got burned in uh, yeah, Barcelona exactly. or whatever. Because you're looking at the, the list of every British person in Panama just yeah. in the middle of the plane. I don't have much more to say about the movie. I mean, it's it's a fun adaptation if you want to just see, you know, Pierce Brosnan and Jeffrey Rush have they have really great chemistry with each other in the early scenes. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is pretty funny. Um, You know, there's some there's a lot to work with in the film. I just feel like the the back half is just not uh, great. And so, um, if I if we were going to use a writing system. Uh, that we use for original Carrie works. For me, it's it's about a C. You know, it's enjoyable to watch, like, you know, um, if you're having a night in, but it's not, like, fantastic. Yeah, I'd probably be a little harsher. Maybe I'd probably be, like, a C minus, maybe a D plus. I just, I don't see when I'd like ever... It just doesn't work. <laughs> I don't see when I'd ever watch this again. There are moments that are enjoyable. There are moments that are funny. But the the... the they just it's not a good adaptation and not not for reasons that i think as we discussed that adaptations can't be done well that there's a lot of john le carre specifically adaptations i love it's just this is not one of them uh despite the cast they managed to yeah i would love to see someone do it again i um, think it could be done well and do it right with a completely bleak ending no more of the rewrites to make Americans no. happy. Like I actually, I think this. I mean, keep, it is such keep a, the insanely bleak ending, and I think it's a great movie. It is such a long book. I think it would be good as what the um, little drummer girl treatment to get kind of a mini series. Oh yeah, would do better for this when you could kind of really not have to skip over because I think there's a lot in the book that. I mean, we did talk about you could cut a lot of the book and I, you know, you could also expand on it. You could also expand on it. But I also think like the way they crammed it, they just the the things you have to pick up on in the book about, you know, his background and his, you know, yeah, why it's, he's lying. It's just pick up it's on rushed. The movie. It's really rushed in the movie and hard to pick up on, which I think would would do well in a longer TV series uh, adaptation. So Whereas this in, is our plea. If you work in Hollywood, yes, um, let Emma we write want, it. We want press Emma's, Emma's a writer. Let Emma write it. Um, I will watch it. Uh, we want Prestige Taylor Fanama. Let's do it. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's where we are. This is the shortest episode yet, but I think it's fine. You know, we've gone through the plot in the book. It was it was it was um, everyone knows and. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, I don't think it's a must watch. Um, but yeah, as, as stated if before, if you can find like the first 10 minutes, it's, it's fun. Like the first scene where, yeah, they meet. yeah, I'm sure but it's on YouTube. Other um, than that, it's not really worth it. No. Um, I am very excited for our silver view episode. Yes. Uh, I have a book written by Daphne du Maurier about Cornwall. 
And so I'm excited to sort of pair the two together to see if uh, any sort of elements of or like local landmarks in Cornwall are described that I can then go see Daphne du Maurier's description of. Um, Basically, starting Silverview has me looking up Airbnbs in Cornwall and they're very cheap. They're very cheap books. <laughs> I think it's I think it's very beautiful that his final book is sort of a love letter to Cornwall because it was such a um, integral part of his life. Um, yeah, it's it's I'm I'm very excited to read it and it's uh, it's it's bittersweet definitely. So uh, we can't wait till we get to those episodes. Uh, look, thanks everyone and uh, have a good week. Thank you. James Bond, the killer.